0: Pro football player Travis Kelsey is pressed for time during the football season. So he does two things at once. Whether it's grilling while mowing.
1: Two things at once!
0: Or getting this season's updated COVID-19 shot at the same visit as his flu shot.
2: Two things at once.
0: You can be like Travis and ask your pharmacist about getting this season's COVID-19 shot at the same visit as your flu shot, if you're due for both, as recommended by the CDC. Learn more and schedule at Baxassist.com. Sponsored by Pfizer.
1: There's a reason Bowling Green State University is ranked number one in Ohio for student experience. Our in-demand degrees and life design program prepares students for their first career and their next. With an unparalleled support system at a national research university, BGSU offers an unrivaled experience, all on a vibrant campus in one of America's best college towns. It's also why Bowling Green State University is the number one school in the Midwest that students would choose again for the fourth year in a row.
2: Josh Allen, looking
1: deep, going deep.
3: To me, talking about the Bills, what else would you rather be doing?
1: We're hoping to add a,
2: a new dimension to the Cover One network. Deep down, bam, and it's dry and dry the right now, I just want to talk about this championship.
3: Well, I have never had a championship caliber team to talk about.
2: I want to focus more on the storylines each week. What are the big stories going on with the Bills? What are uh, thoughts, commentary, how do these things impact Buffalo? Deep drop,
1: deep throw, and it is pulled in for the touchdown. Allen deep to the end zone, and caught for a touchdown. For action, Allen.
3: Welcome into a new edition of the Going Deep Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Kevin Masseri, here with Mike Bunt to break down a little bit from the Dolphins game. I think we kind of beat that drum in pretty nicely, Mike, but we'll get into that a little bit. We'll talk a little bit more about the Chicago Bears game with Weatherpalooza uh, expected in Chicago. Will that game be moved to Detroit? Will it be played on Saturday? Will they move it to Sunday? Will they move it to Monday? Uh, I think anything's on the table here for that. We'll also have a guest, Lauren Cox, here on in a little while from Locked On Bears. He'll be on toward the end of the show, kind of recap what the Bears are doing. What are they looking forward to? You know, what are we seeing from Justin Fields? How's their roster looking? Some some players to watch maybe on the Bears side and kind of what's their future like in general. So got we'll get into that. One of the best Bears guests we have. So talk to him shortly, Mike.
2: But first and foremost, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Uh, cold day in Buffalo, but the the Sabers are the opposite of cold, so it's nice to finally watch some winning hockey in the seven one six again. And then the Buffalo Bills uh, on a roll, having won five in a row. Uh, that one seed, I can I can feel it uh, right now. It's still some tough games ahead, but uh, things are good and uh, excited to celebrate the holidays. It's it's one of the best times of the year.
3: Sure is. What is it? So it's nine straight between the Bills and Sabres. Uh, so that's that's a pretty good Buffalo uh, Buffalo roll, isn't
2: it? We've been alternating months. October was good. November was bad. Terrible. December is good. Hopefully we can continue December into January and February uh, and not have one of those drop-offs, um, but uh, we'll see.
3: We're not going to include the Ohio uh, choke job against Toledo in there. We won't. We won't include that. We don't
2: need to. We don't need to talk about a MAC championship where our starting quarterback wasn't part yeah, of what, it. Yeah, uh, we it don't there, need to talk about local basketball either because all of our teams are horrible. So uh, this is strictly a Bills show today. We are not going to be talking about any of my other passions unless you want no. to bring up Tage Thompson for one second because I love that man.
3: I got nothing to say on Tage Thompson. I don't. I don't. I don't know. I don't really know how to break down the Sabers very much, other than they probably still need a goalie, even though UPL was pretty good uh, yesterday. But they're we they, got to stay, stay in our
2: lane. Stay in our lane. We're, we're football guys. That's what we. Yeah, absolutely. We got to absolutely.
3: absolutely. And apps uh, as you look forward to some of the playoff probabilities. I tweeted this out earlier, and a lot of the paths, You know, I wanted to start with the pass of, um, of the the championship level like you have been talking Mm -hmm. about the number one seed for a little while here and as you look at the number one seed it definitely takes a win out there's really no other scenario that will get you in there's some goofy scenarios with a cincinnati win and maybe you lose to new england maybe you lose to chicago something like that there is a path there with with another chiefs losing to a lesser seattle team or you know we've seen the chiefs struggle now for a few weeks but they always seem to get it done they always seem to get the leg fumble every single week Mm -hmm. uh it's just They just end up putting so much, Mike, I think they just put so much pressure on teams that they mess up themselves. You've seen good teams like the Chiefs do it. You hope that the Bills get to that level someday that if they're struggling against a lesser opponent, say Chicago this week, that they'll make, you know, Justin Fields or they'll make a pivotal mistake late in the game because of the pressure of pulling off an upset. They just aren't there as a team yet. But you see, you see that come out a lot. And I think there's a lot to do with how good the chiefs actually are and kind of that intimidation factor that they lay into you uh, more so than even their game plan script, which they, I mean, they've struggled. Uh, they had to come back. They let up, they let up a tie. They went into overtime, punted in overtime, which we, you know, we haven't seen. Um, and then they uh, could have lost on a field goal, not even on a touchdown. That's uh, truly remarkable to take the last place team to overtime with a chance to lose on a field goal. Uh, and then handed not- the game. <laughs> that's not how i want to be in december if i'm kansas city. they don't lose in december though like ever.
2: like under mahomes ever. that's the kansas city wins all those games even when they play their worst. they find they find ways. uh i know it didn't happen against cincinnati but that was a true toss up game. Yeah. it seems like kansas city can get away with playing down to their opponents when when they when they recovered that fumble in overtime. i was just shaking my head. There, that was a a, a great opportunity for Houston to to pull off the upset of the season maybe the upset of the last couple of years and they blew it in the end unfortunately you saw
3: you saw it though after that punt i was like there's still this chance that either they're going to pump back and i was i was actually even though a tie wouldn't have helped the Bills because they have the tiebreaker, so it wouldn't it really wouldn't have done much in the sense of the Bills have if they're even anyways, they would have won on a tiebreaker of head to head. So the tie didn't really do anything. I just would have loved to see a tie in that situation. That's kind of what I was rooting for. It would have
2: been funny. It, the best, one of the best teams tying one of the worst teams, but yeah. wasn't meant to be. I will say this. I understand why you're saying the Bills essentially have to win out to get that one seed. You have some numbers. I've been using the New York Times um, playoff simulator. Those numbers are a little bit different than uh, the numbers you've been posting. I do think your numbers are probably a little bit closer to being accurate. But New York Times does show if the Bills win against the Bears and the Patriots and lose on the road at Cincinnati, that they still have a 45% chance at getting uh, the one seed. And I think what their simulator is taking into account is that the Bengals – are still likely to lose one of their three remaining games. They do play the Patriots this week, which is a possible loss. Uh, I know the Bengals are much better than the Patriots, but New England does have a solid defense. Sometimes those type of teams can give uh, Cincy some trouble. And the Bengals closed their season playing Baltimore. So there is a possibility for a loss uh, for Cincinnati there. I think what that also factors in is that Seattle or maybe – the Raiders can sneak up and maybe steal one uh, from Kansas city. I'm with you. I don't think the bills will get the one seat that they lose one of these three remaining games, because I don't think Kansas city will lose another game this season. I'm not saying that they won't. Uh, they definitely the way they've played the last couple of weeks, they're more than capable uh, of losing uh, one of these games, especially to a Raiders team on the road. Uh, At the end of the season, if Las Vegas actually comes to play, I think we both look at the Raiders and think they're much better than their record is. They had an unfortunate start, losing a bunch of close games that they they really shouldn't have. But it's all going to come down to that Cincy game for Buffalo. Without even before we break down the Bears game, I think you and I both are writing that up as a win. I think we both assume that New England will likely be a win in the season finale. So. Essentially, what it's going to come down to is a coin flip game on the road, primetime Monday night football. And what are we going to see against the Bengals? Are the Bills corners going to be able to contain the, the trio of wide star wide receivers for Cincy or are they going to go off? And the answer to that will end up determining if the Bills are the one seed or not.
3: Got some good stuff on that next week. We'll probably bring on another Cincy guest maybe for 30 minutes of our show next week, working on a couple of things. So we'll have a couple of things brewing on that. I have some ideas where, where the zone coverage may come in handy as preferred to the Dol- Dolphins matchup that just happened where zone coverage, no bueno uh, going over the top. Jalen Waddle being able to easily beat zone and it confused Amar Hamlin versus Dane Jackson uh, down the left side of the field. Uh, confusion in cover three uh, led to a big play, you know, blame whoever you'd like. Uh, on that specific zone, but, uh, they were able to, to pound it. And then they missed on the press man coverage. You saw Tyreek Hill, crazy video of him motioning, moving, jutting, like jetting back, jetting forward should have been an illegal formation. He was not set at all. Maybe comes to the reason of Trey white missing on his press man. And then, then being able to hit Tyreek Hill over the top though. Trey white is not a press man corner. He's not good. He's not particularly a man coverage corner. He's okay at it, uh, but he's, you know, obviously made his dime, made his made his living on being a really great cover two, cover zone cover, a coverage corner. Um, mm-hmm. He's really good at break on the ball. He has really good instincts. Uh, he tackles, you know, usually fairly well, all the things that McDermott looks for in a in a Bills defensive back. Uh, and, and Trey White has those, but you saw him out of place in a, in a more of a traditional press man that beats the Dolphins. He whiffed on the press. Tyree Hill, you know, you saw – to a look the other way, seemingly to fake maybe Trey White, maybe a linebacker, had him anyways um, because Trey had fallen and then able to win on that after a Cam Lewis roughing the punter. You hate to see that and continue this whole scenario. But, you know, as Dolphins fans like to complain about the calls, maybe I'm not sure which one bothers them the most. You know, they've been complaining all week. But they also got a touchdown on a, an illegal motion where Tyreek Hill was Like, did you see the video, Mike? He's a one yard past the line of scrimmage. Then he jumps backwards and he's like wiggling. And then
2: finally they snap that. Like, it's insane. Like, I don't know how that play stood.
3: But Um, so, uh, like, there's
2: equal. Yeah, I I missed that, but do want to comment. The the Dolphins fan base is soft. Think about all the the crap they gave Bills fans after their week three win. And then they they lose it all. a, A tough game. And then it's all the excuses in the world from them. I respect this Dolphins team, but it's hard to give them praise uh, on social media because if you, if you say anything nice, they, they're talking about themselves as one of the favorites to make a run in the playoffs. And if you have any criticism for them, they, they jump on you. It, the, right. the fan base is just not living with, with reality. I've been saying <laughs> all year no. during the offseason that I thought Tua would have a, a top 10 to 15 season. Uh, as a quarterback, and honestly, I got a lot of hate from Bills fans for saying that, too, has been even better than I expected. And still, I feel like if I tweet anything out praising him, <laughs> people are going to be laughing if he's not considered in the MVP conversation if you're a Dolphins fan. So um, that, that fan base does have to learn to uh, be a little bit uh, better with their expectations and, and how they they react to these situations. I understand they haven't been a consistently good football team in recent years, but you got to be able to control that a little bit better. And that's, that's something for all fan bases, but uh, don't, they've they've been talking down the bills quite a bit this year. And it's laughable because the bills are 11 and three overall and the top team currently in the AFC. So uh, the dolphins are right where I think most of us would have expected before the year eight and six, and they're going to have a battle uh, these last three weeks just to make the playoffs.
3: Yeah. And, you know, for as bad as the bills have played, they're so better. Like I, people had this, I had to get into this Mike, where people have this conceived notion that the bills are much better last year. This, like they didn't go through that two and four stretch. Like they were not seven and six, like, uh, you know, would be, you know, eight and six at this point, like at, at some point it's a matter of, they were, you know, eight and six. And obviously they want to win six, nine and six, 10 and six, etc. But they were going through a few things last year too. They had lost to Jacksonville, a bad Jacksonville team, not even the Jacksonville team. You see blown today. out against the Colts, blown out against the Colts in a similar rain snow or excuse me, sleet rain wind game that you saw this year against the Jets. Very similar. The Bills actually went to found a way to lose that game on a defensive running the ball type of situation against Indianapolis last year. So there's these situations, obviously you know, a fool's gold Tampa team who got bounced early in the playoffs and now are terrible. Um, you know, they did have a better offense than they do this year, uh, but they were still, they still basically buried the bills for a half and then something switched where the bills actually absolutely I played think, good football.
2: I think it's understandable why there is this uh, narrative that maybe the bills were better last year. And a lot of it is because when the bills won, they were destroying their opponents uh, a lot of people forget that they were seven and six, like you mentioned um, late in the season. And what the bills did in the playoffs was nothing short of almost being perfect on offense. So when they lost, they lost because of a poor in-game coaching decision when they should have had the game won uh, against what I considered the best team in the NFL last year. So people remember how it ended, not how things were going through the course of the season. And, there were so many one score losses that a lot of people, I think in their heads believe that last year really should have been a 14 and three, 15 and two type year. While this year it started out with a lot of blowout victories, but it's been a lot of close games uh, in the week since, but you are right. The, the metrics really don't back up the, the narrative that this team has regressed. If anything, um, the offense has been more consistent this year. They are higher uh, in the metrics than they were last year. Josh Allen, I believe, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I believe it was 36 touchdown passes, 15 interceptions last year. Uh, he, he had quite a few turnovers, and a lot of the deeper numbers had him not even as a top five quarterback for the regular season. He was more of that 7, 8, 9. We remember the playoffs and how he dominated then. But over the course of the regular season last year, he got touchdowns, he got yards, but he, he wasn't consistently great. Now there was some elements weather that played a role and some other factors, but overall, Josh has been uh, pretty elite this year so far. He is higher overall in those the, those metrics and defensively. Yes, they were number one in a ton of categories last year, but they were beating up on a lot of backup quarterbacks, a they lot did. of poor offenses. You look at this year, they've had a very difficult schedule. Their strength of victory is the best in the NFL. So they're winning these games against quality opponents. They already have wins against Kansas City, which is the two seed. You have a win over Tennessee, the four seed. Uh, You have a win over Baltimore, the five, the Jets, New England, Miami. So you go on and on. The Bills have basically beaten every team in playoff contention in the AFC outside of Cincinnati, and they're going to have that opportunity – on Monday night football. So the narrative doesn't really match the reality. And I think a lot of that is the close games is the, the struggle sometimes with the run game, um, the struggles sometimes in the red zone with things not coming easy to them. But uh, another good comment by Roy 11 and three with a boatload of injuries. This team is battling. They're finding ways to win and, and, I said it last week on the show. Sometimes it's the battling through adversity. It's winning these close games that really reveal what you're capable of more than these blowout dominant wins. This is a team that's finding ways to win football games in a plethora of different ways. Against Baltimore, they came back. Uh, Against Miami, down eight late. They found a way to hold the Dolphins to a field goal to not make it a two-score game. Then after getting the tying touchdown, they find, find a way to hold them at the 40, force a punt, get a five-and-a-half-minute-long drive, end it with a field goal. This is the type of football through the course of the year that gives you the confidence that you can win in any scenario in the playoffs. Winning by blowout is great in the regular season, but things are tough in the playoffs. So I, I'm actually encouraged that the battles that this team is going through is going to help them in the long run.
3: Yeah, and as you look through this, you know, kind of unpack this situation of what the Bills have done to date, Mike. They're gonna. I tweeted this out early. You, you, you alluded to it. Five and one against AFC playoff teams. Only loss being a, a, a crazy weathered backup against Miami in Miami in a situation we've already talked meant much about, um, and the chance to go six and one with the possibility of depending on how this playoff sits, shakes out, them beating every single one of the AFC playoff teams, you have a situation to where, and right in front of you, you can win Chicago and then beat Cincinnati and then maybe not even be playing for anything in New England if you get one favorable KC result, uh, either either way in, against Denver or against uh, this week against Seattle. The next thing you know, you're, you're, you're up a game and you have the tiebreaker obviously over everyone else. You're clinched. So that's a, that's a scenario where in week 18 we could be talking to Mark Schofield when nothing on the line uh, in week 18 for the Bills. Do they sit players? What is New England doing? Do the Bills sit player and help New England make a playoff spot? I mean, there's a plethora of things that could happen. All the way down to the Bills needing that game to be maybe you know things go real south to even make the win the division. Uh, because if they drop a couple games, Miami wins a couple games, they might need that New England game. Obviously, that's not likely. But these are scenarios the Bills can win two games here, and maybe not even need the third game. That's the kind of position that they're in this year, as compared to last year. They did need to; they really did need to win
2: out, quite literally, to win uh, the win the AFC East last year. That's not a joke. Possible. I mean, uh, it is possible we could be going into next week with beat Cincy and you clinch the one seed. Uh, if you can get Kansas City to lose to Seattle, I know it's not likely. Seattle is nine and a half point underdogs. We're probably not going to see it, but this Seahawks team isn't horrendous. They're much better than what the Houston Texans are. And Geno Smith has been and they're playing for the playoffs too this year. So Seattle's playing for something. They're trying to make the playoffs, so this is important to them. I'm I'm not going to put money on Seattle, but it could happen. And then you look at Cincinnati playing the Patriots. Kind of one of those other situations where it could happen. I'm not going to put my money on the Patriots. But they have a quality defense. They should be able to slow down the Bengals' offense enough to where it could be a competitive matchup. Can Mac Jones, can the Patriots' offense make enough plays to get a win? What gives me a little bit of hope in both of those contests is it's must-win for Seattle and New England. They lose those games. They're 7-8, and eight, and their road to the playoffs – is very difficult for both teams. So you're going to get the best effort for both of those opponents, while the Bills theoretically should have an easier matchup this week. And even with, um, like we said, with Cincy, they had that Baltimore game waiting later on. So uh, with the Bills right now, just take it one week at a time. I think if you would have said three, four weeks ago, the Bills are going to win out and get the one seed, we would have uh, probably said it's possible, but not very likely. But when you take that one week at a time approach, um, it becomes more realistic. And now we've put all these wins together to where there really is only one huge hurdle uh, in front of them uh, right now in the Bengals who are actually dealing with some injuries of their own. I saw the one comment from RJ saying that he thinks that it's going to be a little bit difficult this year because of these injuries. The injuries definitely play a role and if the Bills will make a run or not. But I still don't think their injuries are at the point where I'm going to change my expectations for, can they win the Super Bowl or not? I still have all the faith that this team has the players to win it all. The Von Miller injury, that definitely hurts, but we forget. This is a a D line that was able to get pressure last year without Von. They had some issues in the crucial moments but they still have some guys on that line. They still have a great linebacking core. It's a secondary that's kind of turned into the concern, but as long as you have Josh Allen behind center, the dream is alive. It's, I'm not in a situation where you lose one player other than Josh Allen, and I'm worried about how it's going to play out. As long as Josh Allen is taking snaps, this team is going to have a chance to make a run and possibly win a Super Bowl.
3: What's interesting, too, is as you um, look at the Bills defense and we've seen some fumble luck things and, and what, what are some things that are going like some things that are preventing them from from actually taking the next step. They've actually had nine fumble takeaways. Right. And they've given the ball away 10 times. So in theory, that's not too bad of a fumble ratio. Um, you have teams like, for instance, Dallas, who has 14 fumble recoveries and they've only lost three. Uh, that's lucky. That's incredibly lucky. Anything would point to that being fumble luck. Um, it's it's quite frankly really ridiculous that the way that that's played out for the, like in those situations. You know, Miami, for instance, uh, would only uh, – they're they're not too far off, but theirs isn't as bad. They're actually only taking it away eight times, and they've only given it away six. So theirs isn't as bad as it mm-hmm. seems. It kind of flicked the last couple of weeks between uh, that fumble touchdown as well as – them recovering one Bills, Josh Allen fumble, the Bills not recovering two us. the next thing you know, you know, that could have played and you, and a you role can't bank
2: situation. on that in the playoffs. Um, no. That's one of those things where Either if you team. have that luck in the regular season. No. I'm going to think maybe you're not as good as what your record is. So the fact that you said the Bills is pretty even, what we're seeing is a true representation of what the Bills are. I don't think the Bills have had uh, tremendous luck or unlucky uh, situations for the most part I feel like it's kind of playing out the way it, it should the injuries the volume of the injuries has been probably the most unfortunate thing for the Bills but even with their injuries um, obviously Micah Hyde being out for the year Von Miller being out for the year those maybe the, he's not the, Mike he's looking from, like well, yeah, maybe maybe you're right those you were the two me. major losses but they've been lucky that Josh Allen was able to play through his injury. Jordan Poyer was able to return. Matt Milano's been able to play through his injury. Uh, Tremaine Edmonds has been able to come back. The, the, the key defensive linemen have been able to come back outside of Von Miller. So, yes, they've had a lot of injuries, but I don't know if that's going to significantly impact them when it comes to playoff time, unless another player or two are out long-term or get hurt between now and then. The Mitch Morse injury, definitely something to keep our eye on in concussion protocol. If he is out for an extended period of time, yes, that's a concern. But I don't want to comment on that yet because we don't know the severity of that situation. The Bills are not going to tell us much about the concussion and where he sits. Typically, when you're in protocol, it's no comment. We'll let you know when he's cleared. If he's cleared, he'll play. If he's not cleared, he's going to continue to sit out. So realistically, the the concerns that we have with this team, I think, I think you would agree with me, is how is this offensive line going to uh, improve and be able to develop some type of run game, especially if Mitch Morris is possibly out, um, because they have had issues running it at, at times. Sometimes the pass protection doesn't get done. Do they have a number two go-to target behind Stefan Diggs that they can feel comfortable with? And then the major things are defensively. Can they generate a pass rush when it's necessary to get a pass rush? And can the secondary hold up with Trey not being able to play like his old self at this point and Dane Jackson being relied on as your number two corner? Those are, those are my biggest worries. But he, even every team has concerns like that. You still have Josh Allen. And if you can score 30 points, you're going to have a chance in every game. So it really comes down to, can you score when it matters the most?
0: Pro football player Travis Kelsey is pressed for time during the football season. So he does two things at once. Whether it's grilling while mowing. Two things at once! Or getting this season's updated COVID-19 shot at the same visit as his flu shot.
2: Two things at once.
0: You can be like Travis and ask your pharmacist about getting this season's COVID-19 shot at the same visit as your flu shot, if you're due for both, as recommended by the CDC. Learn more and schedule at VaxAssist.com. Sponsored by Pfizer.
1: There's a reason Bowling Green State University is ranked number one in Ohio for student experience. Our in-demand degrees and life design program prepares students for their first career and their next. With an unparalleled support system at a national research university, BGSU offers an unrivaled experience, all on a vibrant campus in one of America's best college towns. It's also why Bowling Green State University is the number one school in the Midwest that students would choose again for the fourth year in a row.
2: I'm going to bet on the Bills against the majority teams um, that, that they will come out on top.
3: So DVOA update, you know, we like to give one actually some funny DVOA stats uh, this week. The Bills jumped back to, to a commanding number one position after that performance, after that uh, really strong, uh, according to DVOA offensive performance, 32.6% overall factor. They're 32% be- six, 32.6% better than the mean number one overall in the league in DVOA. Uh, like we said last week, they were 0.1 behind Philly. Philly dropped badly after a pretty poor game against Chicago. Now Jalen Hurts is is hurt, um, and will that affect his MVP bid? Thus pushing up Mahomes and Allen. Really, uh, we'll have to see. Three point six percent now behind the Bills, which was really funny about these stats, Mike, as we we all gr- moaned and groaned. Obviously, the the defensive DVOA took a ding, one one slot lower. Okay, to be expected. The special teams uh, went up a percent. I have to imagine that's due to Tyler uh, Tyler Bass's is kicks and his performance on, on field goals and what they're able to do in certain situations, because the special teams, you know, is a very poor, uh, they actually are now second in the league in special teams DVOA. They're up to 11.5 projected wins, which means they're playing worse. Uh, they're actually playing better than their ranking, which is funny. They could have an estimated 12 wins potentially uh, in in this season. So there's a lot to really like about some of their advanced metrics, as well as obviously I didn't mention their offense. Fourth, they've moved up to fourth overall best offense in the league. Fourth offense, fifth defense, second special teams, equals first in the NFL in DVOA. So there's definitely some things to to really enjoy from their advanced metrics. And then, like I've always said, Miami 11.6 or, th- or third of the Bills DVOA. DVOA thinks they're a fair bit better than the Miami Dolphins based on DVOA. And to kind of counter this all up, Chicago is 29th with a minus 20% um, in the DVOA numbers. It's not looking good there in Chicago right now. That weighted DVOA is 29th, so there's not even any factors there to to point to. Offense has been okay, 22nd. Uh, We've seen worse offenses in the league. 31st DVOA, that defense prior to the Eagles game was terrible. Uh, they moved up from 32 to 31 after the Philly performance. They played fairly well in that. Philly didn't look like they're kind of looking like they weren't playing for much in that game uh, to me, even though they were a little bit uh, and barely escaped that, even though, um, you know, Philly still kind of felt like they were. That was never really. Well, I mean, doubt.
2: Philly, they have so much wrapped up and they essentially have that one seed already wrapped up where th- yeah. these games, they you don't want them to overlook opponents, but you can't blame them if they really do especially a team like Chicago, one of the bottom teams in their conference. But looking at the DVOA, Kev, you even more impressive? Because DVOA, to me, is my go-to uh, metric for evaluating sure. teams. I think it is one of the best resources out there um, for determining how talented teams are. DVOA would be one of those metrics I would tell you, pick the Lions over the Vikings. Your average fan is going to look at the records and say the Vikings should be favored by a lot look at DVOA, it tells you another story. And when you look at who the Bills have played uh, in these recent weeks, going back to Cleveland, Cleveland DVOA 14th. That was a game that we didn't think was going to be a huge struggle, but good win. And then you follow it up with Detroit. Detroit is now ninth in DVOA. They have won six of their last seven games. The Lions are on fire. That Bills game was tough but they found a way to win on the road on Thanksgiving. You follow it up, the Jets, 10th in DVOA, Miami, 8th in DVOA. So you have three, and then even the Patriots, uh, you have them in 12th in DVOA. So in the last five weeks, the Bills have been the 8th, ninth, 10th, 12th, 14th overall teams in the metrics. And we're talking about, not not you and me, but the media is talking about why are they playing in close games? Well, they're playing in close games because they're playing some really good football teams. Uh, they're, they're, they're being challenged. If anything, this is going to help them because these are the type of opponents they're going to be playing in the playoffs. I'm not saying any of those teams are world beaters, but when you're looking at Miami, Detroit, the jets, new England, you're, you're talking about, there might be two or three playoff teams among that group. Um, when it's all said and done. So I do believe there's a lot of reasons to be opt- optimistic about this recent stretch. The Chicago is the first game since, I don't know, uh, maybe Green Bay, um, where you're really playing in, in Green Bay is not even bad at at the time. Obviously we, we thought they were going to be better, but the first game since middle early part of the year where you're looking at it and you're like, yeah, this is probably a team that we should, Win pretty comfortably against. So uh, outside of Minnesota, which obviously was a just a blown second half, but uh, this is a game that the Bills really should dominate. I know the wind chill is supposed to be minus eleven. I know weather is going to be a factor. But when you're asking yourself, what do the Bills do against every opponent that they face when against opposing offenses, they find a way to try to take away their strength. The Bears can't throw the ball. All the Bears' offense is right now is Justin Fields going on these insane runs and scrambles, eluding everybody. The Bills' entire game plan is going to be keep Fields from doing something insane. I don't have faith in the Bears' passing attack that they're going to be able to push the ball. I don't think the Bears' running game outside of Fields is that tremendous either. So maybe the the weather will limit the Bills' offense a little bit, but I don't know if the Bears' offense is going to be able to do anything this Saturday. We'll see how the weather is, but I I really can't see this Bears' offense doing anything. And their defense is one of the the worst in football. If it wasn't for the storm, if this was a neutral field inside a dome, we're picking the Bills by 20 points in this game.
3: Right. And if you look at the Bears' kind of how they play football, right? They're missing receivers up and down. So the Bills are going to be able to mix and match. They be able to focus on the run. I mean, they have David Montgomery. You're going to have Herbert back uh, coming off of IR this year, this week. So they're going to try to effectively, especially if there's weather and elements and wind and chill, they're going to run the ball, Mike. I mean, it's straight up what they're going to do. The Bills aren't going to use this cover to shell game plan that they used against, say, Miami and KC and maybe Cincinnati. They're definitely going to be using that New England Jets game plan. Of- the Bills
2: were daring Miami to run the ball. They dare Kansas City to run That's the That's what ball. they are doing, yeah. It, and yes, it looks bad, but that doesn't mean the Bills can't stop the run. There's a reason why the, when the Bills went up against the Titans, why the Bills, when they go up against the Browns hold Derek Derrick Henry and Nick Chubb to essentially nothing. And it's because they know those teams are likely not going to beat the Bills if they go in the air. So they, they, they target the run offense there. And when they target it and they game plan for it, they shut it down against Miami, you need to stop Tyreek Hill. You need to stop Jalen Waddle. The weather did not have any impact on the game Saturday night. So the Bills essentially said, Miami, you know what? We don't, wanna, we don't want to allow five, six yards per carry, but if you're going to be patient and run the, run the ball, credit to you. And you know what ended up happening? Miami got impatient late. They started going to the air, and they, it ended up being just enough on defense for the Bills to, to hold on to the win.
3: You're, you're baiting them to have, use Raheem Mostert to beat you. Um, and I believe the Bills felt pretty comfortable that Raheem Mostert wasn't going to be able to beat the Buffalo Bills and their offense, and he wasn't. Uh, and, the, and I mean, and, and credit to Mike McDaniel, he knew that too. Like The stats might look good running the ball. We feel pretty good. We wasted some time. you know, We were kicking field goals at times. The Bills tightened up in the red zone. But Raheem Mostert isn't the key to beating anybody in the NFL. Um, he's a nice supplemental piece. Wasn't even seeing the rock over Edmonds earlier this year, who was then traded to Denver. Then he's obviously still behind a the guy they traded for mid season in Jeff Wilson jr. Who was hurt uh, before this game. So Raheem Mostert wasn't going to be the reason that the dolphins won the football game. The bills were gladly take that for 200 yards of two a passing. And for the most part, Tyree kill being taken out of the game outside of one trade slip slash, you know, pre motion weirdness and then one beater by Jalen Waddell over a cover, you know, cover three that, uh, you know, someone missed their assignment. So beside a couple of that those situations, the Bills feel pretty good about how they were able to shut down the pass early and often in that game. And were really one of the best at preventing and slowing down some of the team's best weapons. Best weapon, Nick Chubb, shut him down. Best weapon, Derrick Henry, shut him down. You know, so the, the Bills focused on shutting down the Jets run game two weeks ago, and they did. They shut down the Jets run game, allowed up a little bit here and there to Garrett Wilson, but they gladly uh, figured that they, that Mike White wasn't going to beat him on his own. They were right. He was unable to, to beat him, uh, thus knocking him out of the game. So um, you kind of look at this from a lot of angles and, you know, we're going to have Lauren Cox on from locked on Bears shortly. He's coming on the show at 8 PM sharp. So stay here for bears news. We're going to get it from his perspective. We're going to get it, you know, one of the best bear shows out there. They're going to bring us what that offensive line has been doing. I know there's been some hot topics in that situation. So he's going to be coming on the show to break down his thoughts and analysis on the Bears future and uh, how it pertains this weekend in this, this rigid, does this game stay on Saturday? You know, obviously we'll see how this all plays out with timing, situation, location, and all that, we'll kind of ask Lauren his opinion on that. Obviously, as a Bills, uh, we cover the Bills. They have moved, you know, a couple times in the past history. Anything's possible that if the the NFL wants to get this game in, they want players to be safe.
2: We'll see what. I, ends I don't up think happening. they're going to move it. Quite frankly, the, the whole there's a lot of areas that are going to be dealing with this. They would have to move a, a bunch of games if they consider moving this. I, I it's one of those where they're not going to move it to Christmas. Uh, especially with them having three games already, I, I think it's they're just going to have to deal with it, Kev. I, I know it doesn't look good and it's going to be brutal, but the NFL doesn't – they play through brutal conditions. As long as the Bills can safely get there and it doesn't impact travel, they're going to play this game. I think when you look at the Bills' situation, that was it, it was impossible for, for you to get more than – 10,000 fans at that game in Buffalo the Bills were going to host Cleveland. Yeah. If they can get the fans to the game, I, I can't see them
3: moving it. That's the big thing. Can they get the fans to the games? Can they, get to the, can they get the players there safely? There's a couple of factors in this. We'll see how it all plays out. I agree that it's most likely not to be moved, but there are scenarios where I think that things could get interesting. And they're calling this to be pretty
2: bad though, not just... It's more so the wind, right? Because I haven't been hearing much about the actual snowfall um it so far it there's a lot of i it's been hard to find clarity they're, they're saying this could be one of the worst storms in decades based on the early the early models but what does that mean what is it going to be crazy wind is it going to be snowfall is it obviously we know it's going to be cold uh so it it I think we're all just waiting for that, that extra information. I I believe it was Daquan Jones was on the show earlier today and he was asked if he had heard anything. And he said nothing has been talked about inside the bills facilities about the game potentially getting moved yet. But that was also the case when uh, the Cleveland game on Tuesday and then two days later, they decided to, to move that game. So we'll see Kevin. I'm not going to bet on that. I don't know if, if you think that's, a realistic possibility or not, but where would they move it? That's the question. It's Detroit. I mean, right. Does Detroit have a game on? No. At home. Okay. Well, I I guess we'll see. And with the weather, assuming the game is played in Chicago, the the one thing everybody will talk about is which team can run the ball better, which team is going to be better um, on the ground. And one thing I do think is important to talk about the Bills, especially with the talk of the Bills' run defense, is DVOA, they are still number three in the NFL stopping the run. When the kids call and they say, hey, Dad, can you pick up Skyline? I'm always like, absolutely. I'm halfway there because you don't have to tell me twice. That's the time for our family to be together, and Skyline's always been part of our family time. Chicago Bears are 27th. Everybody talks about how Fields is an unbelievable runner and he has he has a thousand yards rushing on the on the year. Josh Allen's over seven hundred. So I really don't think, even if it is bad weather, that it is disadvantaged Bills, especially going up against a weaker run defense. You got Josh Allen as your quarterback. I think, regardless of the weather, the Bills have quite the advantage going into this matchup. Yeah.
3: They traditionally, they've had some running backs in and out of the lineup. Herbert's been hurt for, you know, a good chunk of change here. Some, some some breaking of runs by Justin Fields has obviously elevated that number. Their offensive line's pretty poor. We're going to hear from Lauren here uh, in 10 minutes to kind of break down their offensive line and where the plus matchups are for the Bills and what he's thinking about for this situation. They're very much in play for the number two overall pick. We'll see how much motivation that they have outside of Fields of getting out of that range. So there's a couple of really funny storylines in this one. And then obviously Minnesota is the other one that could, um, you know, fuel the game with their dome uh, if they had to, uh, if they had to this this upcoming week. So we'll see if there's, uh, there's anything going on with any movement of games. But we don't know anything as far as, um, as far as movement. Like you said, Mike, they're not going to move it. But if it is a really really bad storm, can the teams get there? Dude, situations make sense. There's a lot that goes involved. In- there
2: was a the Bills game back during the drought where they ended the season against the New England Patriots, where there were 70 mile per hour wind gusts in Buffalo. Uh, it, it's a, a famous game. I believe the Patriots might have won 16 to nothing or something like that. But it was a game where the field goal attempts were literally moving 30 yards to the right, 40 yards to the right. Uh, I believe there was an extra point miss back when the extra points were. Uh, much shorter than what they are now because of the wind actually held up the ball and brought it down and before the game back when the bills lot had a lot of the rocky areas still there were stones that were lifted that actually smashed through windows of some vehicles so the NFL does its best to keep games on mm-hmm. their allotted time and location as long as other situations don't pop up and we, and yes like like I said we were I would have assumed before the six feet of snow that the the NFL was probably trying their best to keep that Cleveland game in Buffalo. It just did not become a realistic option. The tough part about this is if 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 we're talking about a foot of snow, how do you cancel a game in Chicago because of a foot of snow? When you like, even if it was sixty mile per hour winds, which is really crazy, is what's the sustained winds? What is the the constant winds going to be? I don't know if you're going to have enough information to really cancel a game like this ahead of time, because this isn't like a a hurricane or a, a blizzard in Buffalo where you're getting that high accumulation of snow. I, I don't, we know it's going to be bad, but do we have enough, does the NFL have enough information to be proactive? Like that's the whole thing. Like you move the game and then the storm doesn't mm-hmm. live up to the expectation. You got two really upset teams and organizations in that situation. So it's, it's a complicated situation until there's more clarity. And I don't know if this is one of those storms that we're really going to have much clarity before it actually takes
3: place. Yeah. It's going to definitely be bad on Friday. I mean, that's no doubt about it. I don't know. Friday would be a legitimate argument to move a game Saturday. I think it's going to be more clear. I don't see as much of that wind. I don't see any snow. I just see it being cold. It might be a lot like that Bill's new England playoff game from last year do the bills leave early? Like if, if the, if the issue is Friday, you can't do bills- leave Friday. You lose practice. That's not fair. I don't know. I don't know. That's, that's not just a standard, like just leave and, and leave early. What well, I mean?
2: Because you either have to, if, if it's Friday into Saturday, that, that makes the travel kind of the biggest, one of the biggest concerns because there's really no leaving early Saturday for Saturday. Afternoon I don't see why our- they <laughs> can't
3: move the game to Sunday. I know it's Christmas Day, so there's three other games. Um, well, I think it was people you're on the beat with the
2: holidays. Then that. You, well, how about this?
3: How about this? People on the beat in Rochester. I was listening to um, Danger and Battaglia on the Sports Bar uh, in Rochester, and they mentioned Thad had Thad on, and Thad mentioned that they're planning already on having to drive. He said drive on Christmas Eve and uh, miss both holidays uh, because the game would be on Christmas Day. So the local media is sensing something with that situation to where that could possibly be an alternative to where I think the wind and the elements team could get in there Saturday and play Sunday. Unfortunately, yes, they would sacrifice media would the players would sacrifice both holiday days. They are expecting to be able to be home and celebrate Christmas with their families. Um, But you know, that may not happen uh, in a situation to where, they uh, they're unable to leave. I do think the bills might prefer that to leaving to Thursday and they might have an argument to not having enough practices practices in on a short week. We'll see what 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 happens with this or maybe the next day, you know, I would I would assume you'd find out nothing will come out of uh, of the weather and elements. But the bills are prepared for it, Mike. What I want to talk about, Lauren, in five minutes here, uh, we're going to get into that some of the game flow stuff. The Bills are ready. You saw the Bills actually play better when Josh Allen figured out he could cut through the wind um, against the Patriots, and we're moving the ball fairly well in the Buffalo win game of 2021. Uh, you saw them play really well in negative temperatures in the uh, wild card round against the Patriots last year. So, and then you saw them take over the game against Miami when the snow happened. Miami was dead in the water when that snow happened. I was like, that's plus Buffalo in this situation. You would think, oh, most was running all over. That snow totally affected the game. I still think you, you heard from Dorsey today say we had two game plans, which I figured. And we had to utilize the standard game plan. We pulled that one out right before the game. Well, it showed that it was a slow first quarter in, in certain ways. And it, it certainly showed that they switched their game plan, in my personal opinion. Uh, I think that they were preparing for a snow game plan. You saw tight end usage. You saw multiple running back units. You saw Josh Jordan, no tight uh, touchdowns to wide receivers. You saw a Dawson Knox game. You saw a lot of things, Mike, that point would have wanted
2: to see either way. I mean – Maybe, it, but you
3: know that had to do with the weather. Yeah, um, it definitely
2: had something to do with the weather. But to me, that's an encouraging sign that Dawson Knox did finally get involved. He did have a couple, from yeah. my vantage point, drops – that were a little disappointing. I, I didn't see the TV camera angles, so I'm I'm not sure if they were tough to catch or if he just had the one on the sideline and then the one over the middle. Um, mm-hmm. But what I what I would say is bringing Cole in late in the season, not yeah. having used Dawson Knox much to as much as what many fans would have expected this year. Is it possible that Dorsey and the Bills are holding on to these things? for the playoffs is there stuff that they've been keeping for advantages when it gets to the postseason I don't want to assume that uh, that's hundred percent the case because it'd be kind of odd to hold on to something for an entire season just to be like oh it's cold weather playoff time let's get Dawson Knox involved a ton now but it does make you wonder how much of the Bills offense have they been running how much are they saving for uh, bigger moments it, it is really interesting when you look at Dawson Knox's numbers following this game. He's really not that far off Just touchdowns. from what he was last season. Um, obviously, he did that, I think, in 15 games last year. Um, the, the big area where he's regressed is touchdowns. Obviously, he was um, incredible in the red zone last year. But if you look at receptions and total yardage, Dawson Knox is probably going to end up right around where he was last Mm -hmm. season. So that is kind of interesting to me because it feels like it's been such a quiet year and it's because he hasn't had many dominant games, but um, in the end he has 40 plus receptions right now. He's going to end with 50 plus receptions. He's going to be around 550 yards. It's, kind of that expectations. I think when you get 10 touchdowns, nine touchdowns, you think of him as a premier tight end when the reality is Dustin Knox has probably always been more of a a five to 12 tight end in the league uh, the last couple of years, more so than being a top five tight end that we might've elevated those expectations of him to an unrealistic level entering this year. And we have Lauren Cox from
3: lockdown bears coming on here momentarily still to break down this game. We wanted to quickly bring you an update from one of our preferred partners, BetUS, right before we get Lauren in here uh, to really break down. And it's Christmas time here. It's holiday season. May have a giveaway for you here today. Stay tuned for what that might look like uh, as we're, you know, we were really happy that everyone's here talking with us. I see some Bears fans in the chat room. Um, So it's definitely been uh, quite the
2: atmosphere here.
1: Hey guys, Cover One is excited to announce our new partnership with BetUS.
2: BetUS has live wager in on all major games, the best betting variety in the business, and an easy deposit and withdrawal process with the fastest payouts in the industry. Our loyal Cover One fans get a choice between two exclusive offers, either a 125% sign-up bonus on your first deposit up to $2,500, or a free $50 bet with no deposit required. Just use promo code Cover One on the links provided in the show description below. BetUS where the game begins
3: special message from our partner bet us as a lauren uh, will be with us any moment um mike we're going to get into chicago more in depth.ly it's going to be a fun one i would like to hear about you know the bills only play chicago every four years obviously you get that new crossover nfc game based on where you finish in the standings obviously the bills and the bears won't finish anywhere in the same standings close right now uh, at least for a little while while well, Minnesota and obviously Green Bay's there even Detroit's on the rise so we'll see if Chicago's ever able but it's gonna be every four years for now We're gonna see uh, what they're thinking potentially holding the second overall pick. how hard are they gonna play in these elements this isn't a playoff game. this isn't even Belichick and his crazy schemes Matt Eberflu's uh, what's gonna happen even if they do get the elements? I don't think that that necessarily gives the uh, bears any benefit in this game. So uh, it's going to be a a very quite interesting uh, performance.
2: Kev, Um, we got an unfortunate super chat here. So we're going to show this uh, from the ghost of Judah tribe uh, saying, oh, Kev, are you not showing it? Oh, you're, you're clicking at the same time as me. Cover one, y'all getting destroyed Saturday, Jay Allen sucks. That's First off, that's tremendous grammar. Um, appreciate that comment. Uh, second of all, it's going to be great when the Bears get absolutely hammered on Saturday afternoon, and then I enjoy the rest of my Christmas Eve with my family, opening gifts, enjoying my Christmas, playing some pool, and having no stress this entire weekend because – what I know is that is not going to happen. I appreciate uh, the donation to the show. That makes it even better. Appreciate, appreciate you, Judah. Any, any other Bears fans out there that want to contribute to the show, we greatly appreciate it. We will display your comments. Uh, and like I said, we appreciate any contributions. So thank you, Gusta of Judah, uh, for the wonderful comment. Yeah,
3: appreciate you. I, I mean, hey, you have you have your opinion. I like you coming in You're firing up the chat. We have a lot of counter arguments to you there, Judah. But well, we're gonna we're gonna play them now before Lauren comes on the show. Um, you know, we got some laughing faces to that comment. We certainly have uh, um, some people uh, very interested. Hey, at least you super chatted that, um, Jen. That was his allowance. So, hey, we so- gotta tell
2: people while you're watching right now, please hit the like button. It's huge for us. Absolutely massive for the algorithm. We're trying to to be more vocal about it in recent weeks. We really haven't hammered that uh, for most of our podcast existence, but our Cover One guys want us to mention a little bit more. So any help you can get by liking that like button, uh, we appreciate it. And make sure to comment not only in the live chat, but the regular chat helps the algorithm, helps us grow, helps the entire Cover One network so we can continue providing uh, content content that you guys want in when the kids call and they say hey dad can you pick up skyline i'm always like absolutely i'm halfway there because you don't have to tell me twice that's the time for our family to be together and Skyline's always been part of our family time
1: hey drew scott here and i'm jonathan scott reminding you that life's better with a home policy from american family insurance they can help you get just the right protection at just the right price and help you save when you bundle home and auto Kind of like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. It'll be just right for you. We love a custom build. American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Get a quote and find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.
2: Before uh, we have our guests on our show, I just want to show one uh, quick video um, from uh, the other day. Obviously, Tyler Bass had the game winner uh, we can show this because it's not actually NFL-produced uh, content. It's from uh, the game, from a fan perspective, from my, my uh, perspective in the 300 level. So just wanted to show this so people could get kind of the vibe uh, inside of Highmark Stadium at the end of Saturday night's win over the Miami Dolphins.
0: Listen, listen. listen.
2: So just a a quick little look and now we got Lauren here. So ready to talk some more bills, Kev, let's get it started. Well, as we've said today, you know, we've kind of broken down a little bit from the Dolphins
3: game. We've broken down some DVOA metrics, Um, but now it's really time to dive into Bears talk and what the Bears may be doing and how their season looked to date. What how it's going to look going forward, and very excited to kind of say what's what's going on in Chicago. Bills Bears only play every four years, so really interested to know how that looks as we welcome in Lauren Cox, locked on Bears as a former locked on Bills host before Joe Marino. Mm-hmm. Uh, very happy to have Lauren on the podcast. Very excited to know what the Locked On Network's been doing. Uh, really some big things across all of their shows. Uh, we hear him on my local radio. We hear all the great ways that that network's developed so we're proud to have you Lauren why don't you quickly tell us a little bit about yourself and thank you so much for showing up and uh, I always like to ask to start off with why don't you tell us a
4: little bit not only about yourself but give us a little breakdown on the bear season to date? <laughs> yeah thanks so much for having me guys I, I really appreciate it I've been, been doing lockdown bears now for like five and a half years yeah. uh, It's it's been it's been a long time and been covering the bears longer than that and writing around and you know you in this industry you kind of jump around a little bit here and there and write for a number of different outlets and take the whole podcast just talking about the places we've all been (laughs) to before but yeah appreciate you having me on and it's I don't know it's a familiar place covering the Chicago Bears on a three-win team late in the season right I mean that's been a little bit too often what this team is like maybe not quite uh seven losses in a row like this but it's it's a rebuilding team it's a rebuilding season the Bears are definitely like not actively tanking in terms of like the coaching staff, you know, they're not intentionally playing worse players or calling bad plays or, you know, intentionally kind of phoning it in or mailing it in in some of these situations. But when your general manager trades, your best defensive player, Roquan Smith at the trade deadline, and probably your second best player, Robert Quinn also at the trade deadline. I mean, you can debate first and second and third and fourth, but two of your best players, There's sort of an organizational direction here right now that, yes, you're sort of tearing. It's like rebuilding a house, right? You're tearing it down to the foundations and kind of getting it real established and then building back up from there. And we're still early in that process and figuring out who belongs for 2023 and beyond and who's just here temporarily to collect a paycheck and fill a roster spot.
2: So so, uh, my first thing for you, it's going into the year. The biggest question that most Bears fans, I would assume, wanted answered is, Is Justin Fields a guy we can go forward with and have confidence in? Obviously, a little bit of a difficult first year as a rookie, but it hasn't come from the passing game, but his ability to make plays on the ground um, in any situation has been nothing short of remarkable. Uh, I I know he had some legs at Ohio State, but we never saw this. There was never a mention that he could be a runner like Lamar Jackson or Michael Vick. Despite the losing, I would have to think that right now, Bears fans are encouraged about what Fields has brought to the table. And like you said, even early in this um, rebuilding process, there has to be some confidence that he could be the guy and he might have that that special uh, traits needed to build a, a roster around him. Yeah, that's
4: 100%, I think, where the fan base is coming from. Because when you look at the pure, like, volume production statistics, right? You're not seeing dominant passing from from the Bears. I mean, I think they're dead last in the league in terms of passing yards. And Fields, you know, 15 to 10 touchdown the interception ratios, not not terrible by any means, but not anything to write home about. And he's barely got 2,000 passing yards this season. He's, he's not going to finish with big production that way. But you see you see not only the flashes of, of the running ability and I mean, everything, I mean, he's, he's 200 yards away from setting the NFL single season record this year. I think he needs basically 70 yards a game over these last three games to set that record. And he already set the bears franchise record this season with with still three games left and, and one missed to injury in there as well. But even in the passing game, the, the box score does not tell the full story there that, I mean, just the number of pass attempts, the Bears are last in the NFL. They just don't throw the ball nearly as much as other teams because they run the ball so effectively with fields and and also with David Montgomery and and some of the talent that they have in the backfield. But we've seen enough from him as a passer that when they do give him the opportunities to load up and fire shots downfield, when when the offensive line gives him anything close to a reasonable amount of time to throw the ball and when his receivers can get any reasonable amount of open downfield, which doesn't happen all that often, but when it does happen, he's fully capable of taking advantage of every little window of opportunity that a defense can give him. And there's a, a high level of confidence that, you know, you give him some offensive line improvements this offseason, a little bit better at wide receiver this offseason, and in theory, a much better defense. So he doesn't have to play from behind so much that he can really take that. I don't want to say like Jalen Hurts level step because it's not, you don't want to expect MVP kind of performance from him, but like that type of of leap forward, maybe even Josh Allen, like leap forward to like, okay, all of a sudden a same year, multiple years in the same system and things can just kind of, kind of build up from that foundation around Justin Fields. There is that for sure confidence in no need to draft a quarterback. Even if you're drafting maybe even second or third overall this year, like it's all about building around this guy for the future.
3: Now, Tell me about so I think I believe I saw you tweet this. Tell me about the Bears offensive line. You I think you had a a strand of interesting tweets that I was Mm -hmm. uh, kind of reflecting on post uh, pre-show to to produce my notes. Really interested to get your take on that. I think they have some guys in and out of the lineup. You had a a bad neck injury last week. You had uh, just 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 guys that seem to be uh, like you're rotating in all the time. I'm going to leave it to you. Why don't you tell us where it's at now? Because all we can do is look at advanced statistics or whatever, but that doesn't tell the complete story.
4: Yeah. So it's an offensive line that definitely run blocks better than at pass blocks. And you know, when they can get themselves moving downhill a little bit more, they seem to just be you know, more in control. They got more strength. They've got more coordination that way to sort of, and, and I think all the ball carriers fields and Montgomery are both pretty good at working off whatever the offensive line will give them. But pass protection has been, Varying levels of horrendous this season. You know, I think we we started to see some confidence in that group over a recent stretch of games and then against the Eagles last week. I mean, they gave up five sacks in the first half. And I don't actually <laughs> remember what the number came up came up to, but it was seven, eight, or nine by the time the game w- was was over with and that wasn't just Justin Fields holding on to the ball too long. It was, I mean, it was the right tackle. Whoever was in there was getting smoked pretty regularly. And even their kind of their stalwart Cody Whitehair had a pretty bad game. And now he shows up on the injury report with a knee injury. All of a sudden that he's played the whole game and didn't seem to leave or really be noticeably bothered by it, but it's missing practice. So clearly something is up there. And that's, that's the even bigger concern this week, that even if the bears offensive line was 100% healthy and full strength, you'd have some questions there, but now you also add in that you mentioned Tevin Jenkins taken to the hospital with a neck injury. Uh, the right tackle Riley reef right now missed practice with an illness that presumably should be better from, but we don't know what, what the illness is there. And then white hair missed uh, with, with a knee injury. So it's like, well, could you be down two or three starters on the offensive line when you really maybe only had one or two guys that you trusted in the first place? It's a, it's a potential disaster against a, a bills pass rush that, maybe isn't Eagles level good, but is still really, really darn good and is going to cause some real problems here. You know, they've gone younger with that group up front, a rookie fifth round pick Braxton Jones has been pretty good for, for a rookie fifth round pick, but you know, not a, not a top flat, top flight left tackle by any means. The center Sam Mustafa is maybe the most disliked player on the team from the fan base perspective that they just feel like he's not very good and needs to be upgraded and ideally wouldn't be starting, but they don't have a better option at this point. So, it's it's messy up front. And I think Justin Fields relies on that group more than he does his wide receivers in terms of like which is more important to his success. He's not a quick rhythm passer. He's not a guy that wants to do a three-step drop and throw the curl or the slant. Like he needs time, you know, play action, move the pocket, something so that the plays can develop a little bit more downfield and he can take those deeper shots. Cause he's a much better deep ball thrower and sees the field really well downfield. But if you're trying to get a like quick rhythm footwork in the pocket, that's just not the style of quarterback he is. He's he's much more you know the Cam Newton style of load up and fire type of quarterback, than you know a quick West Coast kind of get rid of the ball quickly kind of guy.
2: How come the Bears haven't been more aggressive surrounding Justin Fields with high high level talent? I know Darnell Mooney has had success um, in the past, last year, and that they brought in Chase Claypool. But you look you look at the numbers. The leading receiver right now is I believe Mooney with under 500 yards. Uh, and and I understand the bears don't like to go in the air too much, but that that's a concern to me that they really haven't given him more weapons. It it feels like Josh Allen pre John Brown and Cole Beasley, when he was looking at guys like Zay Jones and um, Andre Holmes, players that at that time should not be your number one, number two, number three type uh, wide receivers. And that's the one thing I am encouraged that, Fields has been able to get it done on the ground in spite of a lack of weapons because I look back at what Josh did as a rookie, what he did in the second year. He did things on the ground, which really helped him kind of stay afloat even when he was trying to learn the game and process things. Are the Bears going to be more aggressive in the future, bringing in a wide receiver um, to really help Fields out? And just looking at this game, I know weather is going to, probably be a factor. So who yeah. knows if the passing game is even going to be something that we're going to need to worry about. But assuming that the weather wasn't in play, is there anybody on this bears offense um, wide receiver, obviously Cole Komet, uh anybody that really could give the Bills secondary that's been struggling some issues? Yeah,
4: it's, it's, it's a mixed bag there where I think the bears have some players that can do some things pretty well, but it's like, they're not consistent enough to do it all the time. Like that's what can separate good from great players is that plenty of players in the NFL are good enough athletes that, you know, they can, they can house a play every once in a blue moon, but it's the truly special players that do it more often. Like consistency sometimes is, is more important than overall talent because plenty of guys have talent. And that's where, that's where it becomes hard to answer because like Chase Claypool has missed the last, just just last week, and I to think it was two games, but I think it's just one game so far with the knee injury and was limited at practice on Tuesday, so we're not sure if he's going to be back or not. but I mean, we saw early in his career in Pittsburgh, I mean, he's six four two hundred and thirty pounds and can run really fast he's got he's got the physical tools of kind of like a number one wide receiver in the nfl he He doesn't usually play like a number one wide receiver in the NFL, but like he's he's shown some capabilities of doing so just not very consistently and so like could could he have a play here against a struggling bill mm-hmm. secondary? Absolutely, but we haven't really seen him do it much this season. But there's those flashes that you're like, well, you know, at any given point, there's there's that threat, but you're not necessarily banking on it on it for the Chicago Bears. And you've got uh, you know, Saint Brown's likely going to be out with a concussion, and Byron Pringle came over from the Kansas City Chiefs, and you know, with Patrick Mahomes, he did some real damage there. But in that system, you know, he's behind. Tyree kill and Travis Kelsey. I mean, he's at best the third option in their passing game and sometimes more like the fourth or fifth option. And it's a little bit easier to find some more open space in a secondary when they're not paying nearly as much attention to you. But if you're in Chicago, like last week, he's kind of their number one wide receiver because they didn't have anybody else. And you know, it's, it's a little more quiet that way. He did get a touchdown, but it was, he was kind of wide open on a busted coverage play that fields found after extending his leg after extending the play with his legs. Like that's been the bears, the bears best weapon in the passing game has been Fields' legs where he extends the play, gets out of the pocket and something breaks down in coverage and he keeps his eyes downfield. And all of a sudden a receiver is wide open, not because he ran a great route or because, you know, the, the play call was some perfect coverage beater. It was just, they couldn't, you know, somebody came down to try and stop fields from scrambling and the, the coverage breaks down as a result. And he individually like gets wide receivers open on his own. And that's, those are the kind of things that bears fans look at and say, Oh, like they're, yeah, they got their guy. Like this is, this is the quarterback. And so, that, that's more to me, that's more the threat uh for the bills defense. Like I was talking to Matt Waldman from the rookie scouting portfolio. I don't know if you from, he's an NFL drafted fantasy football mm-hmm. guy. And, and he describes receivers often. Are they, are they scheme players or are they guys that can go like that? that sort of our, I don't remember how he words it, but like transcend scheme, like they're, they win their one-on-ones like, like Cole come is a guy, you can scheme him open. And if you run the offense to get him the ball, he can get you some production. You know, Byron Pringle is the same way. I think you know, Chase Claypool is a little more the same way, but the bears don't have that guy that, it's third and 10 and you're going up against their best cornerback and you just need your guy to go make a play and beat their best guy. They don't have that, especially with Mooney on injured reserve and Claypool. probably not at a hundred percent. If he even plays,
2: I got one on top. That was going to be my question too. Oh, sorry about that. Go ahead, Mike. Um, I just got one, one quick thing uh, to follow up. So with Justin Fields, is he, obviously we talked about some of the issues with the, the offensive line last week against Philadelphia. What is his pocket presence? Is he looking to stay in the pocket, find a guy, wait till somebody gets open, or is he looking to to run first first time there's a, a person in the space? And to add on top of that, are the Bears scheming up run specific plays for him, or is this the result of making plays, scrambling, and and just freelancing on on the fly? So I think pocket presence
4: is the area of growth. That maybe I've been, I don't want to say most encouraged about with fields because obviously the, the way he's run the ball is, I mean, is, but, but like in terms of like the important thing for him developing as a passer and a quarterback, he, from week one till now, I think his pocket presence has improved dramatically. And it seemed like the kind of thing that you need to be in a live game situation to truly get better at. Cause you just can't really practice. Real pass rushers try that can actually hit you. You're not wearing the red jersey or in Chicago, they wear an orange jersey. But, you know, like practice just doesn't have the live bullets and the lights and all the reasons that make a real football game real. And so over the course of the season, you've seen him be more patient in the pocket, be less quick to drop his eyes and become the runner. And I think now he he's found he's certainly not perfect. And he needs, I mean, there's still more development to be done there. But I think he's found a good middle ground here where He's he's very good at feeling what kind of pressure is coming. So he he's pretty good at telling like oh like this pass rusher just whipped my right tackle and he's got a free run at me. I got to go. Like I can't just st- a step above this and stay in the pocket because this guy's if he even if he misses the tackle he's still gonna be right there to bring me down. I got to run. But I think he's gotten better at realizing like okay like my left guard is being beaten here. But if I sidestep it, my guard can follow him and block him a second time and sort of recover basically and give me you know, another extra second or two before I have to figure out what my next challenge here is in the pocket. So I think he's gotten a lot better at knowing when he has to flee and when he can hang in there a little bit longer, but the offensive line hasn't always given him very many opportunities to hang in a little longer. Cause he makes the first guy miss. And now another lineman is being beat and now he has to flee, but, but the, that like flea or that fight fight versus flight, I think has as an instinct has gotten a lot better for him. And then it's also gotten better that when he does flee the pocket in previous games, he was much more inclined to just tuck it and run. And he would keep his eyes downfield, but you would rarely see him pull up and throw. But he's gotten a lot better at like, no, I am going to make the defense think I'm going to run. And sometimes I will run. But a lot of times I'm still looking for that open receiver and will find that open receiver once the defense collapses because I have left the pocket. And, and as far as the quarterback designed running game, they've shifted back and forth on that a little bit. Uh, pre-injury, he has a left shoulder. His non-throwing shoulder has a, a sprain in it. From three or four weeks ago. Pre-injury, they were designing a lot of quarterback runs, you know, sweeps and, and some bash option plays. Post-injury, they've cut back on that a little bit to try and limit the sort of damage he's going to take. You'll still see some read options and maybe the occasional like design quarterback keeper there, but I'm not expecting as we haven't been seeing as much of that. But I don't know, maybe if, if it's a cold weather game against the Bills and the passing game's a little more limited that way, maybe if it's something they try and go back to in this one.
3: If you sum it all up and one thing to look forward to, how do you feel about, you know, putting weapons around fields, but let's look at what you've done. How do you feel about potentially the 34th overall pick for Chase Claypool? Is that something you feel good about? Is that something you're like, well, we'll so wait and see. And then, you know, kind of bring it all up to speed. You kind of alluded to it already. Do you expect him with a short year season over? Do you expect to see him this week? And how do you feel about 34th potential overall pick?
4: Yeah, uh... 34th makes that hard, right? I mean, even I mean, in general, second round pick was, was felt like a little bit of over, an overpay because that's that's where the Steelers drafted him, and he wasn't necessarily paying playing up to that draft status. Now, now the Bears general manager made a good point after the trade and kind of he, he didn't he didn't say it in these words, but reading between the lines, he essentially was saying, We looked at the free agent wide receiver class, and there's Fair. nothing there. I mean, your best the best free agent wide receivers are gonna be like Juju Smith Schuster and Alan Lazard. I mean, that's kind of what so you know, you're looking at number three type, number four wide receivers, maybe borderline number two is depending on the offense. So he kind of looked at that and said, well, we're not going to find we're, the Bears are going to have a hundred million dollars plus in cap space and they're not going to be able to blow that money on a wide receiver. So look to the trade market and go for a guy like, guy like Claypool that certainly isn't a number one right now, but you feel like maybe there's some untapped potential and some upside there. And you get him in the building early now, as opposed to waiting and trading for him in the off season. Now you get half a year to see some of what he does and then another full season next year. And then he'll be a free agent after that. And I guess, you know, if he hits free agency and signs somewhere else, you at least get a a compensatory pick back to soften some of the load there. So it it was a high risk trade. And I've been a little underwhelmed by Claypool. And I think it's not so far looking like it was worth the second round pick, but there were reports that other teams, including I think Green Bay, was also offering a second round pick for Claypool. And so of course the bills took what they thought would be the better of the second round pick or the bills, sorry, the the Steelers took what they thought would be the, the better of the second round picks wisely. So like, it wasn't as though the bears were the only team that just came in and gave some way over pay offer that someone else maybe was going to give up a similar pick. So the league seems to have some value for Claypool in that way that we're not really seeing in Chicago. And I think there's probably a lower ceiling than maybe we would hope for Claypool, but still, you know, you pair him with Darnell Mooney and you add another receiver in another sort of like, not a true number one, but another into that group. And all of a sudden, you know, like in the offseason, and all of a sudden you feel like you got something you're working with there. Cause number one receivers just don't fall off trees. And, and you know, it's unfortunately it's, it's going to be challenging there. I certainly want to see him out there this week. Cause he just needs more time to learn the offense and get on the same page with fields. And I'm willing to still be patient with him because yeah, he's traded mid season and the bears ask their wide receivers to do a lot. And it, Takes a little while to get on that same page with 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 a, a new quarterback, and if you're not if you're not one of the elite elite receivers, it can take a lot of time. So, Bears fans are collectively reserving judgment till 2023 for the most part on how how well the Claypool trade is going to play out. But I'm not necessarily super optimistic that the Bears are going to leave this trade thinking, "Oh, what a steal they got with a second round pick." At best, you can say, "Okay, it was worth a second round pick," but it's looking more like, "Yeah, I'm probably going to be an overpay." It's just a matter of how much of an overpay there
2: yeah, I'm not totally against it. Like you said, maybe a little bit of an overpay. I think it's a move. You give him a full off season. the The results could come next year. I, I wouldn't really expect that much from him this year even after that move. So uh, I think that'll be the the big time for that. Now, obviously, we me and Kevin were talking about this earlier on the show. The weather forecast for this Saturday. There's a lot of unknowns, but we do know whatever does end up happening is, is expected to be pretty extreme. Um, what are you hearing? Is it what's the talk around uh, the Bears? Are, are they thinking this weather is going to uh, still be in Chicago at, at the time of the game? And if it is uh, really windy and obviously freezing cold, does that give the Bears – Uh, a little bit of a slight advance compared to uh, normal conditions in your opinion, or do you think it really doesn't make a difference either way? Obviously we know the bills are favored. The bills are going to be expected to win this game, Yeah. but does the weather help you guys out uh, in uh, a battle like this to keep it closer or maybe pull off an upset? Uh,
4: We've seen enough bad weather Buffalo bills games over the season that it it doesn't necessarily feel like that alone is going to be a major advantage for one team over the other. There, certainly, and from what, I've, I mean, from what I've seen, we're still looking at like minus 11 type of and you know maybe even like feels like minus 20 type of weather there. And I mean, it's always windy in Chicago, especially around Soldier Field down by the lake there. It swirls. So I'm expecting freezing cold and wind. But I think a lot of the snow and such is supposed to be largely clear by then that people that like I know people that are trying to fly out of. O'Hare and the Midway airports in Chicago, and they were trying to fly out fly home for Christmas and fly out for Christmas. And like they rescheduled their flights to Saturday. Like that's so like people that were trying to fly Thursday, Friday, and and even Wednesday, like flights are getting pushed back to Saturday. So airlines are saying, like, okay, we think at least planes are gonna be able to take off in that weather by Saturday. So presumably it's Still going to be cold and windy, but it's not going to be you know unbearable snow or ice or or, or sleet. That's that's really so. Saturday forecast
2: looks like travel, everything will be okay because obviously, when yeah. the bills move their game, it's because they people literally can't get to the game. There's yeah. not a concern that uh travel will be impacted day of game,
4: Pres- presumably. I mean, unless the I don't know if the bills tried to come in the night before or if they tried to come in that morning, but yeah, presumably. It, it travel should be okay. And they should be able to hold the game. It's just going to be miserable. Like Justin Fields was saying, like the cold is really not that bad. It is the wind when that's blowing on you, when you're on the field, that's what really makes you freeze. And that's what really makes you uncomfortable. And I don't know. I, I, I don't know how windy the Bills stadium tends to be, but it, it could definitely yeah, be a real much. factor. Like, like last week against uh, in the bears last game here, they against the Eagles, the bears punted from the Eagles 36 yard line, like, you know, their their punter was standing at midfield when he punted the ball because the Bears kicker said, "Like I can't hit anything from more than like 48 in this wind." And so, if we're expecting something similar, those are the kind of areas where you could see it affected the most: downfield passing and 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 the kicking game, where where each kicker decides, "Like this is as hard, this is as far as I can go," because these winds are really unstable.
2: Now, yeah, in a situation where the winds are crazy, uh, I know Fields has an arm, but does he have the accuracy in that type of? Uh, situation we know the bills unless it's just crazy relentless wind we'll try to still throw it regardless of the situation everybody remembers the monday night game against the patriots last year where mac jones only had three passes bills lost but josh allen was still able to put it in the air um 15 to 20 times and still have some modest uh, success with it are the bears going to be able to throw the ball at all i know they don't they don't like to but are they going to be able to throw the ball at all in high winds. And if it does come down to a game where it's run against run, are they going to be able to get it done in the trenches, both offensive and defensively to be able to stop the bills and, and win a, a battle of the, the lines?
4: Yeah. So it's interesting for the bears because they have, they, they were in a, a similar situation early this season. I mean, it's, it wasn't snow, but week one against the San Francisco 49ers, they were in, Uh, I mean, people were calling, they were calling it a monsoon. I mean, it's not a monsoon, but incredibly high winds and high rain where the, I mean, the whole field was just a a giant puddle that, and at the end when the bears actually won that game, which is crazy. When you think back on it, the bears beating the 49ers this season, when you see how those two teams have gone since then, you know, Justin Fields famous, there's a big picture of him sliding, like almost doing a snow angel, but like sliding with his arms extended, like Superman, like through the end zone and towards the, the stands, the whole team went over and did that. And it planned that out. And like you look back at that game.
5: Israel is 5,690 miles away from the US, 11 hours by plane. Hate travels faster in a comment, in a post, in a second. Jewish hate is up 388% in the US. Black hate, Muslim hate, and Asian hate are up too. When one hate rises, they all do. Let's stand up to all hate together. Share and wear the blue square from StandUpToJewishHate.org.
1: Looking for health insurance coverage? Medical Mutual's individual and family health plans have you covered with $0 select preventive drugs, $0 on-demand telemedicine, a wellness rewards program, and access to thousands of healthcare providers located throughout Ohio. Plus, most plans include MedMutual Pet, a pet wellness service at no additional cost. You also may qualify for subsidies that can be used to help pay your monthly premium. Visit MedMutual.com slash enrollACA to find a plan today. It wasn't a prolific passing game by any from,
4: from Fields by any reason, but they did get some deep shots even in that game. I, I pulled up the numbers quick from PFF. His d- deep attempts, he was three of six for ninety-one yards and two touchdowns. Like they weren't tight window accuracy throws. I mean, one of them was another one of those busted coverage plays where Fields gets out of the pocket, rolls to his left, and looks and sees Dante Pettis. There's not a, a there's not a defender twenty yards near him. Like he just he kind of leaked out to the backside of the play. Fields chucked it like straight, like basically punted it, arm punted it as high as he could. Pettis like, which is like comes under it like a punt, ret- like catches a punt and then runs into the end zone untouched because there was just no one near him. But he was able to find opportunities to get the ball downfield. You're not going to see him have, you know, pinpoint accuracy balls downfield in this wind, but. If you can find any way to get these receivers open, if you know if the bill's secondary has some kind of coverage bust or some kind of mistake where somebody follows somebody that they're not supposed to, or somebody bites on Justin Fields' legs and his rushing threat, there can be some of those opportunities in there. Like you said, Fields does have the arm strength. He's not a he's never been a pinpoint accuracy guy. And that's why you go get a guy like Chase Claypool, who's six four and has a big catch radius, so that in theory you don't have to be pinpoint accurate, but Claypool hasn't been stellar at those like contested catch plays so far this season either. So the wide receiver talent is probably going to be a bigger factor than, than the, uh, the wind itself, limiting the bears uh, passing in the offensive line and wide receivers. I should say, I think I'm more concerned about them than the actual weather conditions.
3: You got into it a little bit, but I wanted to ask you like the Eagles game, how did they keep that close? They kind of disrupted them for the majority of the game. Obviously Jalen hurts, you know, leaves the game with an injury, Um, you know, going into this week, but, you know, kind of played through that. I mean, I guess you saw Justin Fields off the field, I guess, cramping uh, going on in his situation where he didn't receive his IV. Uh, I guess he's going to receive it going forward, Um, uh, you know, for hydration purposes. Now look at that game. The Bills, very similar. Bills are the one seed of the AFC. Eagles are the one seed of the NFC. Uh, The Bears, I mean, that's a brutal stretch, but you know, good learning experience, like seriously, like really good for the team to play. So tell me about what did they do right in that Eagles game to kind of keep that close. Obviously the Eagles did end up pulling it out. Miles Sanders did nothing. 32nd overall DVOA defense that the bears had now 31st. So they, you know, ticked that up a notch. Yeah. Um, so tell to me about what they did and a little bit about the bears defense before we kind of get your prediction of this game.
4: Yeah. So that Eagles game was a lot closer than I thought it would be. I mean, obviously most of us did, but like I, you know, I was expecting not a huge blowout, but definitely, Double digits. Like I thought, the Eagles would more than cover that spread and score a lot more than the 25 points that they did. And certainly, I, I I have to give the Bears defense some credit because they've been awful all season, and they played better in this game than I thought they would against the Eagles offense. They they I was most impressed in their ability to limit Jalen Hurts as a rusher. That I thought when hmm. these Bears linebackers have been really particularly vulnerable on play action and getting stuff getting shots in behind them, like the, kind of that intermediate behind the linebackers in front of the safeties kind of area has just been killer for the Bears all season and I mean AJ Brown and Devontae Smith each both both broke 100 yards in that game it wasn't like the Bears shut down what the Eagles were trying to do offensively by any means but they were really quick to react and I, to, to hurts as a rusher and I think just you know practicing against Justin Fields all season probably helps in being able to recognize what you're supposed to do in some of those situations but they tackled pretty well as well and we're, were just generally more stout against the running game than I thought they would but I also think the main reason that game was as close was the Eagles messing up more than the Bears, you know, getting them? Jalen Hurts threw two interceptions in that game that were both just real kind of head scratchers. Like one mm. of them was right into the safety's arms. Like the safety didn't really have to move. I mean, right place, right time. I guess you give him some credit for that. But neither interception was oh great play by the defensive back. He ran it all the way and cut off the receiver and jumped around or made a diving interception. It was just like a weird ball from Hertz that just didn't go where Hertz wanted it to. He was weirdly inaccurate or reckless on the play, and it was a really easy interception for the Bears. And, you know, like Miles Sanders fumbled on a handoff one time that was a turn. Like, the Bears got three turnovers that was, were more giveaways than takeaways, is, is how I would describe it. And so, like, that, so that, that killed three Eagles drives and set up, I think, a couple of Bears touchdowns in that game. So, for me, as long as the Bills don't do that, as long as Josh Allen doesn't get reckless or a Bills player just kind of randomly fumbles in, in a way that, you know, you don't expect them to. I I don't expect a game like this to be nearly as close. And I guess, unless the bills get in their own way, that that's what it's going to take for the bears to be close again.
3: Hmm. That's fair enough. Do you now, I got to ask you about your mindset as you approach the bills game and in your last three weeks in general, are you looking for improvement? Are you looking to play a field every snap going forward? Tell me about what you're looking for. Do you really want to get out of that second overall draft choice like, tell me about the mindset from just not maybe not only you, but bears fans in general, like anything to cost that traffic. Are you looking for momentum knocking off, you know, any of your final three opponents, I guess. Tell me about the mindset prior to this game, as you go into uh, your final three stretch run, obviously um, to potentially, you know, gain that momentum into next season, Buffalo, Detroit, Minnesota, good opponents following the Eagles. Pretty, yeah. pretty good stretch. Um, you know, the Detroit might be playing for a lot that last week, Minnesota, maybe not a ton. The bills playing for the one seed the Eagles playing for the one seed. What, what's your, what's the bears mindset from a team from a fan base as you approach this bills game and the final games.
4: Yeah. There's largely been a split this season among bears fans of like uh, some, a group that wants to see them play well, but lose to get a better draft pick and a group that still wants to see them win. Cause of course, like winning is more fun than losing. And it's, you know, you, they're, you know they're not going to win very many games anyway so they're not going to win so many that they get out of a good draft pick still so what's why 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 bother or why not why not try and win some of these games and yeah, that's kind of where i'm at too especially like now that we're later in the season there's three games left the guarantees the, the, the bears are mostly guaranteed a top 10 pick for sure and given the quality of opponent here they're probably guaranteed a top five pick a, as it stands so you know i'm like i'm on board you try and beat the buffalo bills you don't know, go out go after them and Give one of those wins that shows the rest of the NFL like, hey, this team is close. Like this is they're not, they're not a contender this year, but there are aspects of what they are doing that are trending in the right direction. I certainly don't expect them to win this game. I think the Bills are gonna win by double digits, but I also thought the Eagles were gonna win by double digits. So you never know. But the thing that head coach Matt Eberflus keeps saying is right, like these last three games or last, you know, handful of games, we wanna build championship habits, is what he said. Start doing the things that will eventually lead us a championship even if it's not even leading you to wins right now but you know establish to make sure that everyone is hustling on every single play that everyone is playing smart that everyone is using good form while they're tackling like all the things that yeah, we know this roster is going to look different next year that you know that the whole team as a whole is going to play different and have a different you know, level of, of expectations next year but at least start doing the things that you'll need to be doing then also and get that get those habits and that culture and everything established over these last few games and try and win As a result, and at least in games that you lose, can you look at it and say, "Yeah, this team got better. This team, you know, is making progress in these areas and doing the kinds of foundational things that are going to be important." And you just look and say, "Well, we just don't have as much talent as they do." So at some point, talent wins in the NFL. As much as you want to coach coach everybody up and do all the things right. Some plays, Stefan Diggs is just going to be better than Kendall Vildor. It's just it's just a reality of what both teams have, and there's nothing the Bears can do about that if your guys are just better than our guys. So I think that's kind of where they're looking at. It's just saying, like, what, what can we do that's positive while we'll still trying to win these games? And, you know, if you happen to also get a better draft pick too, that's, that's certainly not going to hurt.
3: Yeah, and Kyler Gordon, the guy the Bills are very interested in the draft process, obviously with Kyer Elam early in the first or mid, they traded up a, a pick. Um, they were feeling comfortable that, that they said that Elam was the last first round grade they had on a corner. Um, yeah. I think I kind of believe it because they did throw away another pick to move up one slot to secure Kyir Elam. who has been in and out of the lineup, played really well in press man, just played really well against Miami, played well in stretches this season. And then you see some lapses and then you see him disappear, the bills bench him, et cetera. Um, Expect to see him this week against the bears, maybe based on this game flow game script. I want to see him in this game, but Gordon was a guy really highly regarded by the bills in the process. And, you know, obviously they went a different direction. We expect to see. We see him playing more. Is he expected to maybe? You mentioned maybe not seeing digs. Will we he, will he mention seeing him on David Gabriel Davis? Like, what will we expect to see from him? How have you you liked him? And kind of looking at that draft, you know, pool. Are you getting a lot out of that? You know, you had a lot of picks. Maybe not a first round pick, but what's kind of sum that all up for us?
4: Yeah, Kyler Gordon really struggled to start the season. You know, I mean, they. Yeah. So they they. They decided to make him more of the slot cornerback early on. And and so the way, the way the rotation works now is basically in base defense with when you have, when they have all three linebackers in the field, it'll be Gordon and Jalen Johnson on the outside when everyone's healthy. Um, then they go to nickel. They'll move Kyler Gordon into the slot and then bring their third cornerback, Kendall Vildor to come in and play on the outside. Now Vildor missed practice on Tuesday with an ankle injury. So we'll, we'll see if he's available to go or not, but regardless, like they'll still do Gordon on outside and base and slot in nickel. And that's a lot to ask of a second round pick to learn and play two positions in two different secondary positions in the defense at the same time. So it was, it, it, there were a lot of mistakes, not so much like, you know, coverage busts where he just doesn't know the play and is in the wrong place, but just, you know, he's just, I think he's thinking too much on the field that when a receiver you know, runs a route in front of him, like it takes him a half second to react quickly and, and anticipate it. Like he's just, it's just a little bit slow mentally in terms of what's what, how defenses or how offenses are attacking him and how he's supposed to respond. There's been progress. It's still not like where you would hope, I guess he would be given, he's their first pick in the draft and a cornerback that was highly touted and some had borderline first round discussion on, Mm -hmm. but you know, probably wasn't actually going to happen that way. But like you said, a team like the bills was, was also interested in him. But again, we're willing to be patient with him on a team that has, I think the worst pass rush in the NFL, if not the worst bottom three, and that can make a lot of cornerbacks not look very good when the other quarterback has all day to sit in the pocket and wait for a receiver to get open. And you know, it's it's not a it's not a situation that's super conducive to Kyler Gordon's success either. So there's a, a certain willingness to be patient with with him on that back end there. And it, we've seen quarterbacks go after him and attack him and have some pretty good success doing so. We've seen quarterbacks shy away from that a little bit. And in terms of the coverage matchups, last week the Bears had Jalen Johnson shadow cover. A.J. Brown across the field, left or right side, Jalen Johnson would follow him over there. We'll see if I'm, I'm sort of expecting them to then do it against Stefan Diggs as well. The way it would work is Jalen would not go into the slot, though. So anytime they put A.J. Brown into the slot, that was Kyler Gordon. So I, I'm guessing that that's the approach we'll look at for Stefan Diggs, where anytime Diggs is on the outside, Jalen Johnson is following him either side of the field. When Diggs goes in the slot, it's going to be Kyler Gordon. So we'll, we'll see. I mean, they, they haven't done that for every big time receiver. It's kind of been you know, selective on when and when and where they want to do that. But I think a guy like Stefan Diggs merits it, especially just nothing against Gabe Davis and Isaiah McKenzie and stuff, but there's a little bit of a gap there that I think the bears were going to be significantly more worried about, about Stefan Diggs. I was, I was a little surprised they did it against the Eagles because Devonta Smith has such cachet as well and was 125 yard receiver in that game too. But pick your poison on how you want to try and cover these really good offenses.
3: Yeah, for sure. And kind of tell me about, you know, lastly here, What do you think the bears defense needs to do to slow down the bills? And then we'll get kind of your, your score prediction on this thing. So what do you think that they need to do? Can they do it? Um, I know you mentioned their historically bad defensive pass rushing (laughs) stats. Um, And give me, I guess in that, give me an injury roundup. Are we expecting to be missing some play? You mentioned a couple throughout the show. Are we expecting to be missing? I I saw the injury report, a lot of DMPs on there. Um, Are they more conservative with these? Are they more aggressive? Um, Bills are really conservative. They, they, they quite frankly will will sit guys in these situations. even going for the one seed how about the bears do you expect to see some of these dmp's um do you and then kind of how can they slow down the bills and then we'll get your score prediction
4: yeah there's if there was an easy way for this defense to slow down the bills everyone would do it right so there's not a especially when there's a, a lack of talent on this end the bears have tried everything to get this pass rush going they've tried Moving their three technique defensive tackle out to defensive end and going with some heavier rotations. They've gone put defensive ends inside. They stunt. They'll put you know the they'll do boss fronts. they will big on the same side. The three guys all on the same side. They'll blitz cornerbacks. They'll blitz linebackers. They'll blitz safeties. They'll drop eight in coverage. Like I've seen this defensive coordinator attempt everything in the book that I can think of. That like what, like what else could you do to try and get a pass rush going? And it really just none of it works. I think. Last week against the Eagles, they blitzed Jalen Hurts 11 times, and I think PFF had him with one pressure on those 11 blitzes. Like, it just doesn't – no matter what they Yeesh. do, it just, it just doesn't work. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's rough, and there's not – like I said, it's going to take
5: – Everroot Dog Supplements can help keep your dog feeling their best every day. Ever playful. <laughs> Ever curious. <laughs> Ever thriving. Visit Everroot.com to learn about supplements that can help with your dog's unique needs, from multi-benefit to skin and coat to hip and joint, because every dog deserves to feel their best. Everroot Dog Supplements, powered by Purina.
1: It's the Smucker's Uncrustables Radio Hour. With round, soft, pillowy bread filled with delicious PB&J, here's your host, Uncrustables.
3: Caller on line three. What's eating you? No one. Crust, is that
5: you?
4: Ugh.
1: Uncrustables are the best part of the sandwich. Sorry, Crust.
4: Josh Allen trying to throw a ball into the wind that I mean, obviously he's got as big of a cannon arm as anybody, but making some kind of mistake on his own, forcing a pass that he doesn't need to, or fumbling somehow, or a a, a ball of receiver fumbling after the catch or a ball carrier getting hit too hard and fumbling. I mean, that's the kind of thing it's gonna take for this Bears defense to to, to try and slow down the Buffalo Bills. That's that's what it took against the eagles and it's what it's taken against any kind of good offense they've played this season doesn't help that the injuries are, are piling up there yeah. you know they just put their linebacker jack sanborn on injured reserve he was an undrafted rookie free agent but playing really really well and an instant fan favorite for chicago fans i mean we we love you know hard hitting white linebackers in chicago that's kind of the that's kind of the history of the franchise there so uh, you know it, they're, they're they've got backups in at linebacker with them they got no one consistently on the pass rush. And if, you know, if Kendall Vildor is injured at, at the outside cornerback spot, he missed practice with an ankle injury. Then they'll put an undrafted rookie free agent, uh, Jalen Jones in there Two Jalen's at, at the cornerback spots, but he's an undrafted rookie free agent and, and not a Sanborn level UDFA. So he's just, he's just not very good. The bears have also been pretty conservative with, with in terms of playing guys, if they don't practice all week, they're probably not going to play. Uh, they've got a couple of guys with an illness right now that I'm expecting to be able to go out there. Um, including Justin Jones, their defensive tackle. But Jalen Johnson's full, full participant on the injury report, so he should be fine. And, of course, Eddie Jackson is on injured reserve as well. So it's, it's a banged-up group, but I don't think they're going to be like drastically more banged up than they already were last week. So you're looking at largely the same kind of group, and then they're going to need the Bills to help them out to make some of those stops on their own. <laughs> some penalties would go a long way too. Some yeah. holdings and some false starts, they'd really appreciate that.
3: Yeah, those, those do go a long way. The best way to, to stop Josh Allen is still dropping that cover to shell, make him make decisions. The number one quarterback in the league getting pressured in in with his pressure statistics, really strong uh, when he has to break the pocket, break contain, uh, you just don't know what he's going to do. So I still like the more conservative, don't blitz him. I still like the more conservative game plan of let him, like you said, let him make his own mistake. If he does, he wasn't going to anyways. So make let's see if he yeah. does in this specific game. It's December now. We won't expect it anymore. Uh, You know, there's not any margin of error that this is a big game for the bills. Like you would, you, it's funny. Um, You know, they can rebound if something negative happens here, but uh, it's definitely a situation to where they're looking for the one seat. They want to make through sure people come through the weather in Buffalo and and Mahomes has to finally play road playoff games. Uh, (laughs) This is, this is, this is is part of it. Like this is, this is part of what would make Mahomes play road playoff games. The bills taking this game very seriously, in um, one that they want to come out with a victory in. So,
4: and that, and that's one thing about the Eagles last week is there was there was talk even before the game, like would the Eagles be overlooking the Bears because they've got the Cowboys this weekend in a huge divisional game for them and their playoff seeds. You know, would, would they kind of go in this Bears game saying, oh well, they're three and ten. Like, not, I mean, not that teams really like they're not going to not prepare for the Bears, but maybe they wouldn't be as dialed in for this game knowing what was going to be next. And for the Buffalo, I think it's going to matter a bit more to them than maybe what Philadelphia thought. And they're way they're way
3: ahead too. Like they they have a few yeah. games in hand that they could kind of overlook it. In fairness to them, they kind of built that um, that criteria. Yep, Bills dropped a game against the Jets earlier this year. Uh, Vikings on a crazy you know backwards hail mary slash fumble at the goal line, trying to <laughs> to kneel on the ball. Um, yeah. So those are your mistakes you're talking about there. Bills had that game in hand, couldn't get out of their own end zone to kneel on the ball. So they've seen those situations play out before. So they've kind of traded in their margin of error. They will take this game very seriously. With a similar scenario though. Most people are counting Monday night football next week. they uh bills Bengals for potentially what could be the number one seed in our conference. So, uh, but in this case, the bills don't have the room of our error to, to uh, make those mistakes. So I do think they'll come in prepared. Lauren, I really appreciate you coming on the show today. Thank you so much for giving us 45 minutes here talking bills. I know you have crossovers with Joe Marino and the locked on network. <laughs> yeah. Why don't you tell us where we can find you? And lastly, I'm going to need you
4: to throw down your final score prediction here on the
3: going deep podcast.
4: Oh boy. Well, uh, well, first of all, yeah, I really appreciate you coming or having me on. I'm happy to do it. And and I was always love talking football there. Um, do sure. the lockdown bears podcast five days a week. And I'm on Twitter at Cox sports one, as far as a prediction for this game, you know, it's, it's so hard because of how, because of the weather, right? It's like the bears have been in a lot of high scoring kind of shootouts because their defense isn't very good, but Justin Fields finds ways to score points. But this feels more like that Week One 49ers Bears game that finished 19 to 10, with of course that being a Bears victory. And I'm I'm feeling something similar, but just flipped in the other direction there. Like, you know, the Bears get maybe I'll go like 17 for Chicago and you know 27 for Buffalo, like 27 17, something like that. Where I don't I don't think the Bills are going to put up 40 just because the weather's not very good, but. I don't think the Bears are going to be able to keep it as close as they did against Philadelphia. And it's worth noting that you know, Philadelphia was up a good, I think, what, like 13 or so in the second half there, and the Bears scored later on to make it a five-point game when it, was, when it was all said and done. So it wasn't as... I mean, the Bears led in the first half, yes, but like regardless, the final score doesn't always reflect how close the game is. And I'm expecting you know, the Bills get out to an early you know, 17-3 lead or something like that. And then the Bears climb back a little bit, and Bills get a couple more late on, and it ends up being a 10-point game. But Buffalo's in a little bit more control than even what a 10-point game looked like.
3: Yeah, thank you so much Lauren. I appreciate all of your insight as always. Really appreciate you coming on the show. You can find Lauren Cox at Cox Sports 1. I know you're on a couple are you on a couple of different networks right now besides Locked on Bears? Are you doing a couple of different things? I'm I, I dabble in a few different things. Yeah, but
4: Locked on Bears for, for Chicago Bears stuff, it's it's all Locked on Bears.
3: Perfect. Well, go out check out the whole Locked on network and Lauren and the Bears network. We really appreciate you coming on today, Lauren. Thank you so much.
4: Hey, happy to do it anytime. See you in four yeah, years, right? Yes. See
3: you in right? <laughs> <Yes. laughs> four. Hopefully, maybe a Super Bowl, but we'll see uh, you in I'm, four years.
4: Yeah, sounds good. Th-
3: thanks for coming on, Lauren. Well, Mike, that was an action-packed show there from Lauren. Lastly, we need to get your um prediction on record for us. Mine We'll get everybody out of here. Do we have film room tonight, Mike?
2: I'm not sure. Uh, that's a good question. I it can be check, might, check that we out. We might
3: have film room later here. I'm not I'm not exactly sure if they'll be airing, but you can check that out here on the Cover One Podcast Network. If so, if not, check out all the wonderful shows and watch out for please check out our One Pass description. Like we do have a
2: film room today. Uh,
3: so, yeah, that's okay, going to cool. be coming
2: up next.
3: Coming up right after our show, right after we, we uh, bounce. Uh, so make sure you tune into Eric Turner and the film room crew on the Cover One uh, uh, Podcast Network. Mike. Give me a score prediction. And and lastly, two guys, please, one pass. Get an awesome shirt. Amazing Slack channel. If you're sick of Twitter, sick of the Dolphins burner, sick of every other fan base, get on to one pass. Great subscription to get you Slack. An amazing community to talk sports. Um, you can do whatever you need to do uh, throughout the process. And it's a really cool community. Fantasy sports. We talk bets. We talk games. We talk insider information, you know, everything get out there and check out one pass subscription today. Uh, it's get a lot for it and a, and a really cool shirt to boot as well. So coming up next, like I said, the cover one film room with Eric Turner and crew Mike, give me score prediction.
2: First, I'm going to double down on what you just said. Subscribe. Great okay. articles on cover one. You got Greg Vorst, former uh, spectrum sports anchor. You got Uber Hans, uh, tons of great written content. Uh, that you can't find in the traditional media plus access to all of our, our shows. The Slack channel is something else. Uh, there's some interesting conversations. If you're someone that doesn't go on Twitter or Facebook and you want just a community of bills fans, our Slack channel is a tremendous place to talk bills football, similar to uh, what you guys do during our live comments uh, during our shows. Uh, as far as a prediction, I was about to go thirty to thirteen, but then I think uh, I let Lauren maybe talk me into a little bit more conservative approach. Um, I, I'm I'm going to say twenty four to ten. Uh, I do think the Bills are going to win this one uh, pretty comfortably. Uh, I'm not going to say this is going to be like a four hundred yard day. But I do think the Bills' offense is going to have some success, whether it's in the air or the ground. Uh, mm-hmm. I want to wait to see what the wind gusts truly are. Obviously, if it's 30, 40 miles per hour, that that's going to create some difficulties. But uh, I, I do like Josh Allen maybe getting some runs involved against a defense that's really been pretty poor at stopping the run. And with what they said about the, the Bears' pass rush, that should give – the Bills enough time to at least develop some type of short passing attack, uh, which I think will give them uh, some, some success and the ability to sustain some drives down the field. I don't think the bears really have uh, much of uh, an opportunity for success offensively against the bills. If the, if the elements are bad, first off, they don't throw the ball. Second off, I don't like their weapons. That's going to make them too one dimensional. The one thing the bills are good at is stopping, uh, one-dimensional teams they, they can get them out of their strengths sure justin fields might go off for a couple long runs he might break one for 30 40 yards maybe he'll score a touchdown on one of them but i don't think the bears will be able to to do enough over the course of an entire game so like i said bills 24 to 10 but could be even a a, a more uh, a larger gap when it's all said and done yeah mike i have The temperature, by heat, like
3: Lauren was right, by game time, it does not look like the the winds might die down a little bit, more like 20-mile-an-hour winds. I think that's advantage, Bills. The Bears won't be able to throw in it much at all, maybe a little bit here and there. I think Josh Allen has proven he can find it. He finds it in snow. He found it late in that in that win game. I think he's feeling pretty comfortable with what could happen. So outside of any drastic changes to the weather elements, uh, I'm feeling pretty comf- comfortable. The Bills stop running quarterbacks. They have historically really good against Lamar Jackson. They were good earlier this year against it. They were fairly good against Kyler Murray last year. They're always good against running quarterbacks in situations. I'm never too worried uh, when they have to play someone who can to who, who can make a play running the ball. Now they have some broken tackles. Tops of the league, double-digit missed tackles in every game lately this season. So there's definitely some, can they get back to sound football? Can they fix some of those fundamental issues, wrap up, focus, and uh, tackle well? Um, Obviously, their gap assignment's been pretty decent this season. They can stop the run. I have no worries about David Montgomery. Um, But... You know, they, they did have a game plan to let Raheem Mostert run. Um, but I think this week they're not gonna play the same game plan uh with no passing attack to scare them. So I do think that you'll see back to that running game, Jets similar to the Jets game, you'll see that Jets game plan of stopping the run and seeing if fields can beat you in the air and these elements. I don't think so, Mike. I have 28-14. I don't think there will be many field goals in this situation, 28-14. to 14. And this might be one of those games you see like 29-14. to 14. You might go for two. You might miss an, you might miss an extra point. So, um, you know, I'm going to lock in 27
2: 21-7, Kevin. I'll, I'll lock it in. You just convinced me. 21-7. Yeah,
3: this is not terrible. I'm going to lock in 27-14. Um, and uh, maybe a missed extra point in there and the swirling. Are, Bills are going to have to kick maybe three, four, five extra points. Tyler Bass has been good this year, but we'll, we don't know what, the, what it's going to look like down on the field uh, come game time. But that's going to do it for us in the Going Deep podcast. Thank you, everybody, for sticking in here for an hour and 45 minutes. We had some action-packed guests. That Lauren gave us tons of information about the Bears. We don't play them much. So it's always good to get his insight about their future uh, and going forward, we'll be back with you this 27. So everybody have a great holiday season. Merry Christmas. Um, we really appreciate you tuning in to our show this year. This is We're going to have one more. We'll do a kind of a new year in review, as well as a Cincinnati recap here next week, Tuesday, 7 o'clock. The cover one film room is going to be right here with you in five. Eric Turner and the crew is going to have an amazing topic, as always. So get out there, check that out, and get in your film study. But from the Going Deep podcast, Kevin Masseri, Mike Bunt, We'll be right back with you next week, 7 o'clock, same spot on the Cover One Podcast Network. Josh Allen, looking
1: deep, going deep.
3: To me, talking about the Bills, what else would you rather be doing?
2: We're hoping to add a a new dimension to the Cover One Network. Slings it deep down, and it's quiet. But right now, I just want to talk about this championship.
3: I've never had a championship-caliber team to talk about.
2: I want to focus some more on the storylines each week. What are the big stories going on with the Bills? What are uh, thoughts, commentary? How do these things impact Buffalo? Deep drop,
1: deep throw, and it is called in for the touchdown. Allen deep to the end zone and caught for a touchdown. Play action.
5: Everroot Dog Supplements can help keep your dog feeling their best every day. Ever playful. Ever curious. Ever thriving. Visit everroot.com to learn about supplements that can help with your dog's unique needs. From multi-benefit to skin and coat to hip and joint. Because every dog deserves to feel their best. Everroot Dog Supplements. Powered by Purina